I'm Jamie Schilling, Development Director at Lutheran Community Services Northwest, and I'm here today with my friend and one of our donors, Christine. And we're just going to talk a little bit about Christine's background and um, reasons that she's chosen to make a gift to LCS. So Christine, thanks for joining me for this. This oh, is really fun. It's a pleasure. <laughs> and so to start, can you just tell me anything you'd like to share about your background? Yes, um, I was born in Berlin, Germany in 1935. Um, and those were turbulent times, as you know. So in 36, uh, my parents took my brother, who was four years old at the time, and they immigrated to the United States. Uh, that was the year of the Berlin Olympics, and so um, everyone was on their best behavior and uh, rules and regulations were a little bit relaxed. So they immigrated and left me behind in the care of an aunt and a nanny. Uh, so they went to the United States and uh, my father was able to find a job in his uh, field of electrical engineering in a little commuter town called Hastings on Hudson, just, just north of New York City. And a year later, in 37, uh, my aunt brought me over to the United States. And so I was able to join a family that had stability and was uh, integrated in the community. And I lived there in Hastings on Hudson and went to school through my junior year in high school. And in 52, my father was offered a job as director of research at Kaiser Aluminum outside of Spokane. So my parents and I moved to Spokane. And at that time, my brother was already in the Navy and out of the family. And so I finished my year, my um, senior year of high school at Lewis and Clark in Spokane. After that, I went to Whitman College and got a degree, bachelor's degree. And then my father said, you know, I really think it would be a good idea if you were to go back to Germany and find out a little bit about your roots. So I, I really want you to go back to Germany. Mm. So it wasn't exactly my idea. <laughs> and then he said, you know, it would really help me if you would apply for a scholarship so that I wouldn't have to pay for it. I said, yes, I understand that. <laughs> so I got a Fulbright scholarship and went wow. and studied at the Free University of Berlin for a year. 1957-58 uh, was the time. And at that time, there were thousands of refugees fleeing eastern Germany because that was before the wall and they all you know came through Berlin mm -hmm. it was still possible to get on the subway and you know with your six layers of clothes and, and so forth and uh, escape hopefully unnoticed so uh, we had refugee camps and, and every day was was kind of an adventure uh, there um, when I was in college, I took courses in education and in English, but I knew in my heart that I would not make a good teacher. <laughs> so when I came back, uh, I needed to get a job, and my parents suggested that I go to Seattle to take a look, or to consider Seattle. 
So I said, oh dear, I only know one person in Seattle, namely the head of the School of Education at the University of Washington, but I'll oh, give wow. him a call and find out you know, if, there, if there's anything going. And the good Lord was <laughs> working with us because this man very cheerfully said, oh yes, uh, a position in the research department of the Washington Education Association just opened up this week, wow. so why don't you apply for it? Well, what I really enjoyed at college, actually, was writing term papers. I loved doing the research and writing. Hmm. And so I thought, well, if I could combine research and writing with education, that would be wonderful. Hmm. So I applied, got the job, and was at the WEA for 25 years. Um, in 1967, uh, I met Peter uh, through the Mountaineers. And uh, the Mountaineers own property on the Kitsap Peninsula where they have an outdoor theater, amphitheater, and every spring they had performances. Peter was there to direct the traffic, mm -hmm. uh, zipping down the road in front of the uh, parking lot, and I was there carefully lettering a poster because I was selling Mountaineers books. Mm. And so Peter came to me and he said, would you let her assign for me? And I said, oh yeah, certainly. And he what do you want? And he said, slow. <laughs> so he handed me a big sheet of plywood, a bucket of white paint and a paintbrush, and I uh, painted slow. <laughs> and so he thought, I assume, <laughs> I assume, he thought, Oh, here's somebody who is helpful, you know, I think I'll keep her in mind. And at that time, Peter was in charge of volunteers to help with the Mountaineers Club Room to renovate it, to do painting and repairs and things like that. And the Mountaineers at that time also owned other properties, so he was always looking for volunteers. Mm -hmm. And I think he spotted me as a volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that started uh, quite a few, uh, quite a few uh, adventures with him. <laughs> and the first date that he really that we went on, he said he asked, "How would you like to go back to to Kitsap Peninsula?" and uh, build the men's dormitory there. <laughs> and I said, oh yeah, sure, I mean, I'd be glad to do that. But I've never built a thing in my life. Oh, you'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that refrain <laughs> was with us for the next 40 years. <laughs> because the two of us worked together. Um, Peter was a diesel mechanic. And so when we got married in 68, I should say. Peter was a diesel mechanic, and I worked for the Washington Education Association, and we both earned about the same amount of money. So now we had two incomes and no children. And so, uh, even when he was a um, when he was a bachelor, um, the banker, his banker, took him aside one day into the um, boardroom and said to him. Peter, don't put your money in my bank. Do something with it. Hmm. Invest it. Do something with it. And Peter, being a very intelligent, sensible person, did something with his money. And he went out and he bought land. He uh, invested in, in mutual st uh, uh, stocks and so forth. And then when 
he married me. Suddenly we had two incomes that had to be dealt with. And so he said to me, we've got to start preparing for our retirement because Social Security probably will not be around by the time we need it. And we have to start preparing now. And we need to look for income-producing property. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have a foggy clue about income-producing <laughs> property, and, and really neither did he right. when you get down to it. But we started looking for uh, income-producing property in Seattle and, and elsewhere. Couldn't find anything that made sense for investors, maybe for uh users but not for investors and so we finally ended up in Bellevue uh, found a beautiful empty lot I mean when I say beautiful it was nice and flat empty lot in uh, Bellevue and decided well if we can't find an existing building maybe we ought to build our own building Mm -hmm. and so well Peter and I did all of the general work to get that done. I mean, we went to City Hall, we got permits, we uh, took care of all kinds of legal problems and issues and so on, but we did hire a company to actually physically put up the walls and and do the work, although Peter oversaw everything. And uh, I should backtrack a little bit. In the early 1970s, like about 71 or 73, we did buy a building in Des Moines, and uh, so we had that building, one tenant though, only a single tenant, so we did have a little bit income coming in from that one tenant, but then in order to build the complex in Bellevue, of course, we had to get a loan. Now, this was the end of the 1970s, and at that time, there weren't very many what we call office warehouse complexes, Mm. kind of like a strip mall, but not retail Mm -hmm. necessarily. It's more office and warehouse in the back. And so we thought, that's what we're going to build, an office warehouse complex, because that's where there's a need. But there was very, very little out there. And Mm. of course, there wasn't much, um, people didn't have much experience with it either. So we found a man who was building this kind of uh, building down in Kent, I think it was. We drove down there and had a nice talk with him and got some background what to look for and how to do it. And Peter, being extremely capable, um, oversaw this. And as soon as we got the complex finished in in Bellevue, that's 40,000 square feet, the tenants all moved in. I mean, it was full. Mm. Everybody, zip, 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 it was all full. So we thought, oh, you know, this is probably a pretty good idea. Maybe we ought to build another one. And so we looked for land, and a couple of years later found land. And then we started to build another complex like that in Bellevue. But at that time, the interest rates were like, prime was about 20%, and we were lucky to get a loan at 2.5% above prime. Wow, wow. Uh, obviously, nobody else was going ahead with construction. They all sat on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And so Peter said, well, 
Now is the time to forge ahead. Let all the others sit on the sideline, but we're going ahead. But we're going to have to save money on this project. And uh, Peter was the general contractor, really, for the whole, for the whole thing. And uh, had to do all the hiring, firing, all the paperwork, leasing. I mean, he and I, you know, did the leasing and everything. And um, the two of us worked very, very hard. And we did almost everything. Uh, yeah, I think what I was going to say is, Peter said we had to save money, so he decided to become an electrician and do all of the electrical work. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it is possible in Bellevue that the building owner can do all the electrical work without having to get special permits. So Peter did all the electrical work his entire life, his entire life long then oh. for our buildings. Mm -hmm. And then he and I maintained them. So we did the gardening, I did the weeding, and uh, uh, I did the insulation because that's something that you can do without skill. Mm -hmm. uh, so I insulated and uh, we did everything that we could do, all the, all the leasing, uh, all the work with the tenants and everything. About the only thing that we hired out was um, uh, the heating, air conditioning uh, systems, putting in new ones, or um, doing heavy sheet block and things like that. But mm. almost everything else we did together. So when Peter saw that I was willing to letter the sign, <laughs> that was a sign that I would help. <laughs> and that's what I did for 40 years. And, and uh, it was very rewarding because we considered the, the tenants to be our children. Yes, We don't yes. have any biological children, so the tenants really became family for mm. us. And to this very day, they're family. Yes. Uh, even some of the former tenants now have adopted me into their families and invite me for uh, get-togethers and, and so forth. So. Uh, that's it really, wonderful. It really has meant a lot uh, to us both and, and to me now uh, mm -hmm. to have that connection. Yes, and yeah. I had the pleasure of meeting Peter before we <laughs> lost him about a year yeah. and a half ago. That's right, right? right? Yeah. Right. Um, he was delightful, and you guys had such a beautiful partnership yeah. in, in work and in life. And um, so I was wondering, when you and Peter started to first consider philanthropic giving and maybe your views on philanthropy when this first became something you were talking about. In 1998, we set up a living trust. And not having children, I assume that at that point we had to determine to whom we were going to give our um, properties and everything. And so I would say probably at that point, we started considering philanthropy. Uh, the first building that we actually uh, gave uh, away was in 2000. Um, and that went to an environmental organization. Um, as far as um, Lutheran Community Services Northwest goes, 
Peter and I visited them years ago when they were still located in Seattle, I think near the Seattle Center, as I recall, and uh, we visited them there. And because my mother, back in the 1950s, supported um, a home for unwed mothers that the Lutheran Community Services um, uh, owned in Spokane. And so I remembered her talking about uh, the Lutherans at that time. And I thought, well, you know, that's something that we ought to look into. And that's what led us to the uh, office in, in uh, Seattle. But it was probably in 2013 that we talked to Roberta Nestus out uh, at SeaTac when you were there and came to visit her and talk to her about the programs and what you're doing. And Peter and I both were very impressed by what all you're doing. Mm -hmm. And we have a strong feeling that counseling is a very, very important uh, component of our um, life and our, our health and well-being, mm -hmm. and that we really need more help in that area. And so we were very impressed by what uh, Lutheran Community Services it do, is doing in that area. Mm. And uh, Peter, uh, who usually is rather <laughs> slow about giving up his money, let's put it that way, <laughs> he was very impressed. He was very impressed. Mm. And uh, definitely, you know, we were, uh, we were going to forge ahead. Mm. And so um, that's how Lutheran Community Services got you know, into our um, trust document, and now we are able to give one of our buildings, a couple of our buildings there, mm -hmm. the original one from Des Moines, and then later on we had purchased one in Redmond. So those buildings uh, went to you. Mm -hmm. um, I love that um, Peter was a very task-oriented person, right? <laughs> right. A little type A, I think. <laughs> Yet he had this understanding of how important mental health is. That's right. And I love that about talking with you guys in, in the um, leading up to making this gift. There's just so much need. and Definitely. Uh, and I love the way, too, this story speaks a little bit to the legacy of the organization. Um, to, in this day, at this time, um, we no longer have a home for unwed mothers in Spokane. <laughs> and if we did, it would be called something else, yes. obviously. Right. <laughs> right now in Spokane, we work primarily with um, uh, victims of domestic abuse and assault and um, people who have experienced violence. So um, it's neat to hear that the, the legacy and the history of your mom's um, knowledge and connection with that work we were doing way back in the 1950s has influenced and informed you coming back to LCS years later when you were ready to make your own charitable contribution. So I think that's pretty neat. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so the gift you and Peter made to LCS, of course, was significant. It was transformational. Um, these two properties were appraised at a total of about $4 million. So, um, and you've already talked a little bit about why you chose LCS, but what's your vision of how this gift is going to impact the community? I really hope that the emphasis is on counseling and on helping immigrants. And I think that you once made the comment that 
there may be a slowdown in the number of immigrants from war-torn countries right now. However, there's a growing need within the community of people who are already there who are now suffering prejudice, discrimination, uh, sometimes violence against them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that redoubles my desire to help these people as much as possible. And I'm interested in direct help, you know, rather than peripheral. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I understand. Uh, the, uh, direct help for mm-hmm. these people who need it. Um, because I think that as we have a a stable and secure population, then we have a stable and secure community. Yes. Um, so we all are the beneficiaries of that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That's great. Um, and we share your vision for how this gift is going to impact the community. And of course, we're very devoted to um, helping and supporting the cause of refugees, asylum seekers, and immigrants in our community. So thank you for supporting that work. Um, is there anything for you and Peter that stood out about the experience of making the gift? We had some meetings leading up to the actual property transfer. Um, anything that you'd like to share about that experience? Well, I have to emphasize that it's really, it was really um, a very, very pleasant warm-hearted experience to be able to talk to you, uh, you and and, uh, the whole staff, um, about setting up this endowment. Because we're all working together for the good of the the, uh, community. And so to be able to sit down, like even now, and just talk to you and say, well, this is what we have in mind, and you're saying, well, this is how we can do it, and, and you know, if, there anything, if there's anything that needs to be taken care of, any legal work or any paperwork, uh, you help us get it done. Uh, we work together as a team. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, to be really honest with you, that's been the trademark almost of of who I am I guess um, Peter and I always said we work together as a team mm-hmm. we uh, he had the skills but you know he needed the assistant to hand him the tools and <laughs> be a gopher and so forth but I mean we work together as a team for all these years and it's that same sense of teamwork, I think, that is so important in setting up this endowment, that we can talk together and quietly and uh, in a heartwarming way, actually, and get things done. Yes. So it's, it's really a, a simple and very, uh, very positive experience. Oh, thanks for that. It has been one of the most positive experiences of my career, too. Okay. I've, I've really enjoyed um, getting to work with you yeah. and Peter. Thank you for this time, and thank you again for your very generous gifts to LCS. And um, thank yeah, it's been great. It was great. a pleasure. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right.